Hi, I'm Carolyn Cooper, and this is Mental Health and Faith, A Closer Look. May is Mental Health Month. This is a great opportunity to do some self-assessment and consider where you are with your mental health. This month, I have some great interviews I'll be sharing with people who are involved in organizations like NAMI and Mental Health First Aid. We'll find out about resources, but we'll also hear stories of victory, of overcoming, of persevering through the recovery journey. Please subscribe. You don't want to miss. Now, if you're in a crisis, pick up your phone if you're in the United States and call or text 988. That is the Suicide Prevention Lifeline and Crisis Line. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Carolyn Cooper. I am so glad you're joining me for Mental Health Month. My guest today is an old friend, and I met him several years ago when I I founded and directed a nonprofit for mental health awareness. And I met him through that. He was involved in a nonprofit and, and did some other wonderful things. Uh, I really appreciated a workshop he did one time on how to start a mental health ministry. And that's really all that I'm about is mental health ministry. And so he has a lot of wisdom to share. So I'm gonna let him start off by giving a little bit more of, of a background of uh, who is this guy? Well, Carla, it is an honor to be with you. It's good to see you again. And I'm just gonna let everybody know, my mother was special. She spelled my name without an A. And so people see my name and go, Are you, is your name Jermaine? And I'm like, no, it's Jermaine, because my mother oh, was special. Oh, goodness. So I just want to oh, listen to the know. They'll see my name and I go, oh, that's Jermaine. It's Jermaine. I am Reverend Jermaine Alberty. I've been in ministry for over 30 years. Um, and I uh, recently led an organization named Pathways to Promise, which was started in 1988 in the state of Missouri and St. Louis Pacific. And I was the lead consultant, um, also known as executive director of the organization, where we actually created mental wellness programs for faith communities. And so I had six years of uh, pleasure of leading that organization uh, and leading a model called the companionship model where we taught persons five practices to support somebody who may be in distress, which was how you hospitable when you meet somebody in distress, how do you listen to a person in distress? How do you come alongside that person in distress? How do you uh, not only do that, but how do you accompany that person who may be in distress? Um, and also how do you neighbor that person? Uh, so I led Pathways of Promise for six years, helped develop that model that was created by a friend of mine, Reverend Craig Rennebaum, who wrote a book called Souls in the Hands of a Tender God. I, I would encourage Ooh. everybody yes. to get Craig's book titled Souls in the Hands of a Tender God. It's about his work in the streets of Seattle, Washington, where he worked with persons who was houseless and who lived with mental illness and addictions. Uh, but for the past 14 years, I have been a national trainer of a program called Mental Health First Aid. Yes. Uh, Mental Health First Aid was started over 20 years ago in Australia by Betty Kishner and her husband, Tony Jarm. And I had the privilege to train with Betty Kishner oh. herself. Uh, we brought her to the U.S. and it was September of 2008. Um, and the Department of Mental Health from Missouri 
Maryland's Department of Mental Health and Hygiene and the National Council of Mental Wellbeing brought this program to the United States. And Betty and I and a colleague trained together. And next thing I know, October of 2008, I was a national trainer of this program that now has trained over 2.9 million Americans, 2.9 million. Mental Health First Aid is in 25 countries internationally. Five million people are trained in the world to be mental health first aid is about 2.9, close to 3 million other people are in the US. And we have a goal to train 22 million Americans in mental health first aid. What our goal is, is to have one American to every 15 Americans trained in mental health first aid. Wow, I trained, I went through a mental health first aid uh, course yes. and I loved it, I thought it was, very clear, easy to understand, but also very eye-opening. I've even thought about taking a refresher course or just going through it again as to mm -hmm. update myself on it. First of all, um, COVID-19, we had a switch. Mm -hmm. So now what can, can, people can do now is we have a blended model of mm -hmm. mental health first aid and people will take a two-hour self-paced course Mm -hmm. and then finish the rest of it either virtually or in person. And so that's a new model. It's our blended version of mental health first aid. So we have even a greater reach now uh, where we can meet people virtually to get that class done. So we have that for the both the adult and the youth version. Our youth version is for adults who work with youth 12 to 18. Oh, I need and, that for our youth pastor. <laughs> yes, that's a wonderful model. And then we have our adult model. Then the model you took probably was our eight-hour in-person model. Yes, it was. And then, so yeah. we have an eight-hour in-person model for both, once again, adult and youth. But what Mental Health First Day is, is to help offer to a person who may be experiencing a non-crisis or a crisis situation as it relates to a mental health or addiction challenge. And in this May Mental Health Awareness Month, the terminology of mental health or addiction challenge is so very important. Now, why are we using the word challenge and not problem? Because whenever you hear the word problem, you tend to think about fixing something or someone. Mm -hmm. And persons who have mental illnesses um, don't need to be fixed. Right. They're not broken. That is, amen, brother. I, 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 I agree completely. They, we, I would say we, I don't have an actual diagnosis, but I have a mental health challenge. You know what? Mental health challenge is this broad term that mm -hmm. is inclusive of mental illness by diagnosis, mm -hmm. but also persons who may be experiencing symptoms that haven't met the criteria of a mental illness or disorder. And so that, that broad term Mm -hmm. is very umbrella-ish mm -hmm. and it includes all of us because it took me literally 10 years to grieve the death of my mother because I was just busy, 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 moving, 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 moving. And one day I just couldn't stop crying. Mm -hmm. And I realized, it caught up with me, caught up with me. And, and I realized I just had not truly taking the time to process the loss. And I tell people all the time, grief has no expiration date. It has none. And trauma is very real. And we've all experienced trauma as a result of COVID-19 and the isolation and the uncertainty. And so this May Mental Health Awareness Month, I want us all to embrace the fact that our mental health can be challenged, but that 
mental health is health. Yes. Yes. And that's why I, I love saying I have a mental health ministry. Yes. I don't yes. have a ministry for people who are mentally ill. No, I have no. A mental health yes. ministry. Absolutely. And I think that's so important because we got to look at ourselves as whole beings. Yes. Meaning that we need both spiritual well-being, we need physical well-being, we need mental well-being, we need financial well-being, you know, as a whole being, we want to be whole. And wholeness does not mean without illness. Right. No. Yeah. No, 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 no. It is a restoration often of what's been lost. Uh, and, you know, I tell people all the time, I say, you know anybody who had a stroke? They go, yeah. I said, that person who had a stroke come back 100% of how they were before the stroke? And most of the answer is no. There is some residual effect of that stroke that the person had. Well, because mental illness can be episodic, there are periods where we are operating within the normality of who we are as a person. Mm -hmm. And then we have an episode and it changes who we are. Uh, so very slightly sometimes, and sometimes very pronounced. Uh, and so when you recognize those changes, then you just, you wanna respect the person and say, I've noticed something's different. That's mental health first day. Yeah. I've noticed something yeah. different. Sign, right? Sign, I noticed, that's a sign. The person says, you know, I just don't rest like I used to. I'm having trouble with my relationships. I just not motivated anymore. That's symptoms. Those are symptoms. So the person is telling you how they're feeling. And they say, I've been having thoughts of suicide. You know, I just, I, I, don't, I don't want to be here anymore. Mental Health First Aid teaches you this five-step action plan called ALGY. Remember ALGY? Yes. So we assess for risk of suicide or harm. We listen non-judgmentally. We give reassurance and information. And in those two E's, E1 and E2, we encourage the appropriate professional help and we encourage self-help and other support strategies. And so we teach this action plan to support persons who may be experiencing non-suicidal self-injury, who may be experiencing a panic attack, who may be uh, experiencing some kind of trauma. Uh, and so this mental health first aid action plan assists persons to be able to approach individuals who are experiencing these different things. And so I love mental health first aid. For the past, I learned in January, and I learned that I was the most traveled national trainer in the nation. Wow. <laughs> I have trained in over 143 cities. Oh. And wow. it's phenomenal because the impact that that has had for, for individuals. So. I would encourage people to go to mentalhealthfirstaid.org. Okay. Mentalhealthfirstaid.org. Put your zip code in there and it will tell you whatever course is in your area. So go to mentalhealthfirstaid.org. Um, now here's I the quick have, thing. I will have this just, just so everybody knows. I will have all of the links and information in the show notes. So you don't have an excuse. <laughs> you can't say, oh, it just went one in one ear out the other. No, no. It's gonna be there for you. Yeah. Yeah. Mentalhealthfirstaid.org. Yes. Uh and you know, here's the good thing about it, because we have a virtual model now. Yes. We great. can, you know, we can sponsor, of course, 
and um, you know, I'm happy to sponsor a course uh, and invite folks to come. It's you know, nominal costs for some uh, of these offerings, and so it, it varies across the country. Um, but you know, what brings me great joy is I have been able since I resigned as ED of Paris of Promise to really invest a lot of more energies in my own consulting company called SALT Initiative. And SALT is an acronym for serve, affirm, love, and transform. And it is our belief that through service and affirmation and love, love being kindness and compassion, mm -hmm. that we can transform individuals and communities. And so I have so uh, just I'm so grateful for uh, SALT initiative where I'm doing keynote presentations. I'm going to be uh, in Kansas City, Missouri uh, this month of May speaking at a conference. What uh, conference? Um, it is a conference being sponsored by Cerner. It's I'm speaking at that conference. Well, I will see you there. Another uh, good thing that I'm excited about is I'm working with a group called Alive and Well Communities out of St. Louis. Okay. I was uh, one of the founding board members of Alive and Well, and Alive and Well is doing great work around trauma-informed care. Uh, really yeah. increasing awareness around trauma. Mm -hmm. you know? This is our um, our mission, is to activate healing in Ooh. communities. In a nutshell, we were very instrumental in uh, creating what is called the Missouri model, which is rooted in ACES, it's adverse Ooh. childhood experience. And it's 10 questions, 10 questions. Um, and depending upon the number of questions you identified, the higher the score, the greater the risk factors for you to develop things like mental illness, addictions, and other challenges. My score is eight. I think the ACEs test is just critical for people that, yes. that they don't even know what their baseline is on their mental health, yeah. you know? And I think, you know, with any risk factor, so in mental health first aid, we talk about risk factors, right? Mm -hmm. with any risk factor, there are other mitigating factors that can actually help you call protective factors, right? And so, you know, what helps me not be adversely affected by that eight number on the ACE mm -hmm. is my resilience. Yeah. My resilience is built upon having had mental, uh, having had meaningful adults in my life as a young person, as well as having meaningful activities in my life. Um, and that right there is important, that you have people around you that will uplift you and support you and give you that hope. So it's uh, so, so very important. So Jermaine, I wanna go back to when you are talking about being resilient, because mm -hmm. That's definitely something that I, you know, strive to be a resilient person. But I may have, there may be some people listening who aren't really familiar with that word or in the context of mental yeah. recovery. What, so can you explain a little bit more what you mean by resilience? Well, I'm glad that you used the word uh, recovery also because resiliency and recovery often go hand in hand. Uh, and often people think of resiliency as that ability to bounce back. Right. Um, that ability. So I bought this little um, device that when you toss it against a wall, it bounced back. <laughs> back as, it came back to its original form. So you threw it, splat, 
original form, splat, original form. Well, eventually I threw it one time, it didn't come back to the original form. (laughs) (laughs) It had lost resiliency. It had lost its ability to come back, to bounce back. Um, And and the recovery journey, which is different for all people, you know, uh, recovery is possible, but it's different for all people. Sometimes our resiliency, our ability to bounce back uh, doesn't work with just medication alone. Right. So you have to add maybe therapy and that gives you more resiliency or you have to add support groups. And so you add these layers in order to increase your resiliency in order to increase your ability to recover. And so resiliency is that ability to bounce back, but it's just not on its own. Um, And everybody has different measures, if you would, of that. And I believe that is really contingent upon your support system. Yes. People around you that support you, uh, that help you with your mental health challenge. So, yeah, you know, um, my resiliency amazes me sometimes. <laughs> well, and and it's, I think it's something that you have to practice. Yes. Because um, I I do consider that I am living a life of recovery. Absolutely. And it's an ongoing recovery. Yes. I can't stop and say I've arrived. That's right. And it's kind of the same thing. You have to be ready. It's not like you bounce back once. That's right. (laughs) There's going to be multiple times to bounce back. That's right. It's continue, right? It's a continual Mm -hmm. journey. And I think that's the important thing. I always tell people, I say to persons, how many of y'all have had more than one code? And the hands (laughs) go up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've had two or three coves, hands go up. And I go, so what if I say to you, you relapsed? Right. <laughs> you had a cold and a cold and a cold. And you would go, Jermaine, you get coves. It's just, it's, it's just typical. You get coves. I want mental illness. I want mental health challenges to be as commonly talked about as the common cold. Oh, me too. Because because mental illness is episodic, what that means is you may have a reoccurrence of an episode more than once. Right. Therefore, your recovery is going to be continual because there are different things that precipitate in you episodes. It could be bad news. It could be a death. It could be whatever that may bring up in you those things. And here's the thing about mental health challenges is that it is often rooted in our genetic DNA, which means we typically don't have a choice because it's embedded like hypertension and just like diabetes and other family illnesses that go across the family tree. You know, I'd like to share a quick story to go along with exactly what you're talking about is being uh, mental health being episodic and kind of an ongoing thing that you have to watch. Um, My husband lost his job about a month or so ago. Thought he had a new one, but that fell through. And so um, I had been doing pretty well with, you know, I was taking my medication. I have a therapist on call. If I need to go see a therapist, I, I lead a mental health support group at my church. You know, I do know that you have to have those layers in your life 
those layers of support. But when he lost his job, we had just bought a new house. You know, I came, I had some increased anxiety and had to start taking some a, kind of a booster anxiety pill. And now the only reason I'm saying this is not to say, oh, you have to just take more medicine because no, please don't take more medicine unless that is what is required to deal with the issue you're having. And in my case, I was doing everything else I needed to do, but because of genetics and because yeah. of the way my physiology is, the medicine is what I needed to kind of give me a little boost and it's yeah. helped a lot. But, you know, it, I think it's important when you're talking about these mental health challenges to realize that your treatment of your challenge may change depending on where you are in your journey. And it could, yeah. And it could mean that as you recover, that your medication is tapered down. Right. You're telling me as high as a dosage because you've, and it could be, like you said, in this case here, I just needed to have it taken up a little bit to mm -hmm. help offset what I was experiencing. And that's what you do with any medication, you know? You get your high blood pressure down, doctors, you don't need as much as that. Mm -hmm. And I think that what's so important is to understand that while there is no cure for mental illness, it is very treatable. It is it's very treatable. And so, but you know, it help. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's so frustrating that so many people don't realize you can live a full, productive, amazing life. Absolutely. I do. I feel like I do, you know. Listen, I know so many persons with mental health and addiction challenges that are living those full, fulfilling lives. Mm -hmm. And it's because um, they have accepted mm -hmm. that what I have is real. It's not my imagination. And I'm going to get help for this. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly sure where we are with time because I feel like we've been talking for just a moment and if like we've been talking forever because it's just how we do it. Awesome. But um, I would love to share with the listening audience uh, five steps to help themselves. Thank you so much. I was just getting ready to ask yes. you if you yes. have some yes. advice. So we're on, the, we're on the same page. We're on the same page. So the five, five steps to help yourself. Uh, uh, I had the uh, privilege to be featured a few years ago in a magazine called Faith and Fitness, Faith and Fitness magazine. Okay. And I was asked to write, do an interview. My son and I did an interview uh, about his mental health challenge. Um, and, and as a father, uh, how I supported him and support him with that challenge. And so I was asked to create something for the magazine and uh, the five steps to help yourself is an acronym. Steps is the acronym. Oh, so right. the S stands for share what you are experiencing with those who care. Mm. So what I want you all to do is you're listening to this podcast. I want you to learn how to recognize what might be typical behaviors and feelings or reactions. And then what might be a challenge or to your mental well-being? Because there are some things that are just typical. But there are some things that may begin to challenge your mental well-being. And I want you to be able to T, tell the truth. Yes. 
So I want you to learn to be open and honest about what you are experiencing. And that's very hard. I know it's easy for me to say that because you don't want to feel like if somehow um, that somebody's going to judge you for what you're sharing with them. So find somebody who you trust, right? Find somebody who you can tell that truth to and let them know what you're feeling, what, you, what you're experiencing. Because what I want you to learn how to do is empty the trash bin. The E stands for empty. Empty the trash bin. Now, what do you mean? I want you to learn how to avoid allowing negative things and people to stick around in your mind. <laughs> I want you to learn the lesson and then move on and don't let it clutter your life. That's, people, a, really good, that's a really great step. It is. And, you know, I know people who who live with anxiety disorders, right? And they're like, but it just keeps bombarding my mind. It just keeps bombarding. And so I, I want you to recognize between what is symptom and then sometimes what is just us holding on to things. And if it's a symptom, let's treat it. But if it's just us holding on to that, then let's let it go. Yes. The P in the model stands for Pause for self-care. Learn how to do something nice for yourself that allows you to relax and to release. I uh, made a habit of getting a massage at least once or twice a month. I need to develop that habit as well. Yeah, it's just something nice. You know, it could be, you know, going for ice cream. It could just something that's nice, something that, that doesn't cost a lot, but something that helps you just release. Going to a yoga class. It could just be anything. You know, it could be Sudoku. I don't know. But whatever you do to relax and to release, do that. And then the last S stands for seek assistance. Mm. I want you to learn your local resources for mental health, non-crisis or crisis situations. I want you to know that 988 is a number that was just released in July of last year that will connect you to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Uh, simple, 988. And let's say you say, I don't wanna to talk to anybody. No worries, text 741, 741, and just help. And somebody will respond to you and they will help you via the text. Um, and then get familiar with your local NAMI affiliate, local yeah. Mental Health America affiliate. Mm -hmm. These are groups that are out there that have supports for both peers, persons who have mental illness who are living in recovery, as well as family and friends. So those are five steps to help yourself. I'll tell you one more time. Share what you are experiencing with those who care. T, tell the truth. E, empty the trash bin, P, pause for self-care, and S, seek assistance. Well, Jermaine, that's a, that's a great way to end the program today is to have those five steps in people's minds. I'm going to have all kinds of resources in the show notes. Also, my website has links to a lot of the organizations that Jermaine uh, was talking about. But thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation, and I hope we can do it again. I would love to. I would love to. I would love to. And I'll plan yeah. on seeing you at that conference. I will be there. I will be there. I'm looking forward to seeing you too. Thanks, Jermaine. Jermaine, I know your name. I know it's Jermaine. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I'm going to edit this part out, obviously. But, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Um, 
Jermaine Alberti. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and please send me your comments, questions, and even suggestions to carolyn at ingodscorner.org. That's C-A-R-O-L-I-N-E at ingodscorner.org. 